Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. So in a moment, we are you know, going to hear some testimonies and watch some people get baptized. And here's what may come to some of our minds as we hear the testimonies. Um, it might come to our minds something like, oh, wow, they're, they're making good decisions, or I'm so happy for them. You might even think, oh, they, they're a good person, or they're like, this is a good moment for them. And I would say, that's not a bad thought for these people. But what I want to do in a little talk, by the way, we're going to be in Luke 15, this is a little talk today. Some of you are like, yeah, right, little talk. No, seriously. Some of you, like, like I'm going to do a mini speed message. So there's a few people going, yes, I love that when the pastor says that. A, a little mini message uh, on basically the idea that these people are making good decisions. But before this, God is really the best person to give credit for in these stories of baptism and testimony. Basically, the idea of before these people really turned toward God, God was turning and looking for them, right? So, um, we're going to learn a little bit from a parable, some characteristics about this great God we serve. Uh, A little background on Luke 15. If you didn't know, Jesus regularly got criticized for hanging out with people that most people wouldn't hang out with. Did did you know that? So, for example, there's a story about uh, a man who was leprous. He had a skin disease that was contagious. (laughs) And so most people would say, hey, don't go go hanging out with that guy because you could catch something. Well, Jesus actually touched him. So that's what, like, and so people would go, what are you doing? No, 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 no touching. What are you doing? You don't touch. You don't hang out. Don't get close to that guy. Well, Jesus would be the kind of guy who would go ahead and get close to that guy. Another example is Jesus regularly would be in houses, would be the guest of people, where people would go, nice, holy, religious people wouldn't go to that guy's house because, you know, the reputation, or there was a party house, or different things, they would go, you just, so people would, from a distance, could criticize Jesus, quit it. Why are you going there being with that person? There's another example of a woman who had a reputation for being a sinful person, probably was a prostitute, and she comes to a gathering, and she actually makes her way through the crowd, and she takes perfume, and she rubs it on Jesus' feet. She cries, and she's rubbing Jesus' feet with her hair, and the, and the people in the gathering were just a little bit, or maybe a lot, freaking out, like, Jesus, do you not know who this is? That woman is touching you, and that's bad. I don't know that they talk like this. I'm not sure why I am. But like they're in their mind, they're like, do you not know that this woman, and she, this is why, you know what I think they were thinking too? I think they were thinking, Jesus, this is too sensual. I think they were like getting uncomfortable because of the closeness and rub. I think they were going, no, no. So he was just getting criticized for, this is not what he, he didn't endure other people. You know, he didn't like, no, no, I'll endure it. No, no, he, he, was, he had these desires to be with people that a lot of people would initially pull back from. 
So it's in the midst of that lifestyle that Jesus led that in Luke 15, 1, it says the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. See, here's this mental dialogue. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. What's wrong? The undercurrent there is what's wrong with this guy? And then here we go. To that thought, Jesus tells this parable. He says, he told them this parable. It's a parable. is a story that teaches us about God. It says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. One more verse. It says, I tell you that in the same way there, is, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous person who do not need to repent. Speed message. Four characteristics about God. You want to write a few things down, a few words. There's a handout maybe you received on the way in. Ready? First idea, this characteristic of God that we learn from the parable. God is a God who notices. He notices. And I thought, by the way, yeah, four points. Some of you are like, you cannot do a speed message in four points. Oh, you watch. He noticed. When, if you notice in the text, it says he, has, he had a hundred sheep. Wouldn't it be fairly easy to go, you know, like one of them's missing and just to not even know it was missing because you got 99 and from a distance you might look and go, oh, look, a bunch of sheep. And then you'd look the next time, even though the, one, the one's gone, you'd still go, yeah, I still got a bunch of sheep. Does that make sense? He noticed. You know, in the text, what does it say? Right, if he, if he loses one. By the way, the story could end. This is not what the parable said. They, Jesus could have told a story and it could have said, suppose one of you loses 100 sheep. I'm sorry, no. <laughs> then he has no sheep left, and so then he just goes home, and he, becomes, and he becomes an accountant because there's no sheep. It says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. The story could go on, and he didn't realize the sheep was gone, so the sheep got eaten by a bear. He could have told that parable. That's not what happens. He notices. This points toward the attentiveness. Here's the idea with this first idea. The attentiveness of God. He notices if someone's missing, if someone's not with him. And I think it's actually magnified when you consider how many people there are that God is attending to. I think we're approaching like 8 billion people in the world. And yet God knows when just the one is far from him distant from him. I thought of it in another way. What if like an angel of the Lord who's like responsible for watching over this massive group of people in an area, and what if he comes to the Lord and says, Lord, Rick is missing. God could say, do you know how many Ricks I have? Which one are you talking about? What do you mean Rick? By the way, it's amazing what you can do with Google. You can find out how many Ricks there are in the United States. You know how many ricks there are in the United States? Right at 247,000 ricks in America. So God could say, if, if he became aware and someone said, hey, Rick is missing, missing, 
He could say, you got to have more details than that. He might even say, it's okay. I still got just under 247,000 ricks. I'm good. Plenty of ricks still around. But that's not what happens. God knows us. It knows that. And he is aware of that. He notices it. And I want to make a point for you if your name is Rick. Just kidding. For all of you. Don't ever, this is serious, don't ever believe that God doesn't notice if you're missing. Because he does. And he goes beyond noticing. In Matthew 10, 29, it describes this. It says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. That struck me. It's not that he just knows that a sparrow falls to the ground, but he, it's outside of his care. And it goes on to say, you are worth more than many sparrows. God notices if you're missing. The second idea is God is a God who pursues. The text says he goes after the lost sheep until he finds it. And I would submit to you this going after. By the way, the word for going after here, it's to go. It it, it actually implies a journey. This is not a little tiny bit of energy doing a little bit of searching. Have you ever lost something you really didn't care? And someone said, oh, you know, like, where's that screwdriver? You know, the one with the blue handle that I, and you go, oh, I think I'll look for it. And then you go, ah, that's okay. I'm not really going to spend any time because it's not that important. important. I'll use the other one. You know, there are some things that we lose them and we look for them, but we really only use like six calories to look for it. That's it, because it doesn't matter. Now, but, but, but what this idea of when Jesus says, no, he goes after it, it's a journey. He's willing to burn calories doing it. He looks hard. It's like if you're missing like your wallet or you can't figure out where your credit card is. And it's that kind of a thing that's beyond just intellectual, like, oh, I should hunt. This is the kind of thing that gets you in here and you get like it weird, insane hunt. Like you look in places that you think, well, there's no way possible my credit card could be here, but who knows? And so, you know, that it's like if you lose your kids. Everybody ever lost a kid? And typically you don't say, well, I'll look for them tomorrow. <laughs> you and if you, and right, you, there's an intensity, and you know stories, or you've heard stories, these are sad stories, of where parents, like a child, will become missing, and then over weeks or months, they, they never are, they have not found the child, and it's still 30 years, right, That's the eight-year-old would be, you know, 38, and what is that, what is that parent do, still doing in their heart? They're still hoping and looking, and right, that's the way God is. He hunts for us. He pursues. The third idea is he protects. He protects. This is a new idea from the text. might not be perfect. It says when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And that's a safe place if you're a sheep. So this lost sheep's been out on the ground, walking around where the wolves are and other things that can hurt him. And I just think it's a warm, fuzzy, this is a warm, fuzzy feeling point, where the, where the shepherd finds the sheep and then picks him up and says, you can, you can ride up here. If you can pr- pretend you're a sheep, that's a, that feels good. Because probably the sheep's been a little scared, if not a lot scared, thinking what's around the next corner. But if you're on the shoulders of the shepherd, if you're on the shoulders of God, you're good. 
It also points to a characteristics of, of God that's different than many of us. If I had a sheep and I had been on a long journey looking for it, my first response to when I found it, I probably wouldn't put it on my shoulders. I'd put a leash on it and I'd drag it quite, 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 a, quite, a, quite a bit. I'd be like, you're going to learn something. <clears throat> I'd be jerking that thing. Is it nice to go away from me? <clears throat> no, it's not quite. There'll at least be a little bit of teaching moment all the way home. But God, like, and can you imagine if you were another sheep and they're, they're looking there and they're like, hey, look, it's Rick. <laughs> look, look, the shepherd found Rick. And they would be talking amongst each other. You know what they're saying? Holy cow, he's getting a shoulder ride. How cool is that? And then, by the way, oh, never mind, okay. God's a God who protects, puts you in a safe place. The last idea is he's a God who celebrates. He calls his friends and neighbors, puts energy and effort into gathering his friends and neighbors. They get to the house and he says, look at Rick. He's back. God's a great God. And part of what we're going to do now is move into celebration and honoring the people, acknowledging their good you know, good decisions and those things, but a lot of it's a celebration of God. So if the first group of testimony people would come over here and get on the stage, we're going to transition into some testimonies. Everybody say, hi, Miles. Dang, how tall are you? <laughs> I'm sure you've heard those kind of jokes before, yeah. Step right up there, just a little closer. All right. All right, hey guys, can you hear me all right? All righty. Okay, well, my name is Miles Tracy, and um, to get started, I just wanted to say that I had been baptized before, but after all that God's done in my life over this past year, I just felt like it was necessary to do it again, just to show my appreciation for everything that he's done. Um, before I committed my life to Jesus, um, I basically was just living two separate lives, my life with Jesus and my life without him. Um, I was selfish and just lived for myself, struggling with all, all kinds of sins and just doing whatever I wanted. Um, but I encountered Jesus at Chasing God last year, <laughs> and he just showed me a community of believers who live in his name and just pushed me to be better. Um, so last year at the age of 20, I just realized that the way I was living wasn't good enough, and um, he just freed me from all kinds of sins ever since I decided to dedicate my life to him. And my life now is just so much more peaceful, fulfilling, joyful. And um, I just feel God moving in literally every aspect of my life. And it's just crazy to see that after just one year of dedicating my life to him, what he can do. So I'm excited to see with the rest of my life what he's going to do. Awesome. Hey, Peggy. Everybody say hi, Peggy. Hi, I'm Peggy Quimby. I began my earnest walk with the Lord back at age 20. I won't say how long ago that was. Um, I repented and was baptized in Jesus' name, got married, and attended an apostolic church with my husband and two sons for 40 years. I recently lost my husband of 41 years and began doubting God's presence in my life. My husband had cancer and went through chemo and radiation. 
They still had to remove his esophagus, which was a very long surgery. After the surgery, they said he was cancer-free. But while recuperating at home after the surgery, he went into complete cardiac arrest. My neighbor heard me screaming for help and came to help me do CPR until the paramedics arrived. They were able to get his heart working, but he was not breathing on his own. They took him to the hospital, but due to COVID, I could not go with him. He was in the ICU alone and had another complete arrest two days later. I was so angry at God. He cured him of the cancer, only to take him away anyway. About eight weeks ago, I started attending Vineyard Church. I got involved with a grief share group, which helped me realize that God is still here for me if only I would open my heart to him again. That is why I realized I needed to be baptized again to show a new commitment to the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Harper. Everybody say hi, Harper. Before knowing Jesus, I would get sad be when people die, and I would get too much anxiety from school. After asking Jesus into my heart, I still get sad when people die, but now I know that they trust in Jesus Christ, and now they are in heaven. I don't get anxious anymore because Jesus is in my heart, and he is always with me, and he always loves me back. Thank you. Hi, Andrew. Everybody say hi, Andrew. Hi, Andrew. I'm Andrew McCormick. I've been raised as a Christian my entire life, so from a fairly young age, I've known about how Jesus died for us to bring us to heaven so we could be with him. But I didn't really have a full grasp of it, but when I was about eight, I decided to get baptized. I was kind of like, sure, why not? It's something Christians do. I had the intention of being with Jesus, but I wasn't 100% there. As everyone does, I've struggled with many sins in my life, too many to count. But I knew that I've been baptized, I've accepted Jesus, I repent of my sins, and I knew God would forgive me. But for the past couple months, I feel that God has been telling me, you say you've committed yourself to me, but you did not have full intention. I knew God was telling me to recommit myself to Christ and get baptized again. I know it may seem strange to some to get baptized twice, and I know some people who probably think that way. But there's nowhere in the Bible that says you can't get baptized twice. The Bible says to get baptized to make a public declaration of you giving your life to Christ. And that's what I'm here to do today. Awesome. Everybody say hi, Kelly. These two know each other. That's why he's coming up behind her. If I could describe my testimony in one word, it would be overdue. I have known God since I was in the fifth grade, and I am definitely no longer in the fifth grade. Um, as a child, my mom would take us to different churches. Um, through these encounters, I was able to learn the love of God. I went off to college and found a church that I attended regularly with friends. One evening, in the darkness of the chapel, with everyone's eyes closed, 
The pastor asked if, <laughs> I said I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> um, he asked if anyone would like to give their life to Christ. I raised my hand in the darkness with everyone's eyes closed. I thought, I thought that was enough. I was a private person and this was between God and me, or so I thought. I uh, continued on trying to find my way in life. I began reading different devotionals and Bible books and continued going to churches, all the while muddling through life. Uh, church would talk about baptism, but I didn't think I needed that. I was baptized as a baby. I was a private person, and I've been a Christian for too long to do that now. <laughs> These were all different excuses throughout the years. Life continued to happen, good, bad, and ugly. Some events were out of my control, some were downright my fault. The one steady factor through it all was God. He was there blessing me with the good and pulling me through the bad and ugly. There was one specific moment um, that was arguably the worst year of my life. I had lost my dad, my gotten divorced, and I had lost my biological father. When all I could do was get down on my knees and pray for him to not let me go. I prayed to God over and over this prayer, day after day. He not only didn't let me go, but he picked me up and placed me where I needed to be. <laughs> he blessed me with more than I ever deserved. An amazing husband <laughs> that challenges me to be stronger in my faith every day. Three beautiful children and a career of helping other people. I have never been more thankful in my life since that moment, I want to find his way in my life instead of my way. I want to be faithful and obedient to God as he has been so faithful to me. With the gentle and continuous nudging from God through Pastor Mark and Pastor Steve, I have begun to read my Bible regularly, and God has opened my eyes to his word. As I was reading, I came upon Romans 10.10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, but it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. With this, I realized I had believed with my heart, but I had yet to confess with my mouth. So I am here today to confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Everybody say hi to Andy. Hello, I'm Andy. Today I have made the decision to rededicate my life to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I was baptized as a baby in the Catholic Church and thought for so long that was enough. I went through First Communion, Confirmation too, but something was always missing. I tried. I bought History of the Catholic Church books and even was able to go to the Vatican. Still, the connection with God was missing. I've struggled for a long time with the idea of adult baptism. What would my parents or grandparents think? Baptism as an adult was not done where I come from. I grew up in Michigan City. <laughs> With some encouragement from my wife, Kelly, pastors Mark and Steve in prayer, I have since realized I need more. No, I want more. Sorry, I have big, big, big word, or uh, big type. <laughs> I have been blessed at many stages of my life and I'm very thankful for where I am today. I was surrounded by parents and grandparents who live and demonstrated many Christian values, including those related to a loving marriage, working hard, and treating others with grace. I thought this was enough. It wasn't. Six years ago, <clears throat> I was not on a good path. 
I chose a profession with the extreme amount of stress that I now realize I was not mature enough to deal with appropriately during the early stages of my career, especially not when I was going alone without Jesus. As a doctor and surgeon, I have seen firsthand so much trauma and devastation. I was becoming cold and disconnected. I was becoming a person I did not recognize. I've replayed so many work phone conversations, I'm embarrassed for what came out of my mouth. It's much better now, but at 2 a.m. on call nights, I'm still working on perfecting my words of kindness. I was seemingly happy on the outside, but lost inside. I was angry. I just survived a broken marriage, which I will take my fair share of the blame for having created. I had and a hope to never fail to that degree again in my life. My job was killing me, yet I tried to marry myself in work and tried to have that define me. Career and financial success were quickly becoming not enough. I felt alone. I wanted, no, I needed a way out. I found myself at a breaking point after an especially stressful moment in my career. I remember laying in bed just shaking, wondering what was happening in my life. It was at this moment my wife Kelly told me where the answers were in the Bible. This has been her answer for as long as I've known her, much to my chagrin, I now know she was right. Pastor Steve was the first person to greet me at the first church service at the Vineyard six years ago, and the expression on his face was one of accepting, and I'm so happy that you're here. I knew Pastor Steve in his prior profession at the hospital where we worked together, and I remember thinking how strange it was that he would leave his job to become a preacher. Heck, I even thought it was kind of weird. I now know it was me who was weird, as I don't leave one of his messages or our semi-regular lunch meetings very challenged to do better. At that first service, a message from Pastor Mark, of which I do not remember the specifics, but felt as if he was speaking directly to me and only me. Kelly and I both glanced at each other, recognizing how God was working at this moment. The goosebumps I had at that time only reinforced the point. The Holy Spirit changed me that day. A classic line I'm embarrassed to have uttered way too much in the past was, I don't need to go to church for an hour on Sunday. God cares more about how I live the other 167 hours of my week, how wrong I was. The other 167 were not good. I was home. Since dedicating my life to Jesus, my blessings have only continued to multiply. A happy marriage with a Christian foundation, three kids that teach me more about myself on a daily basis. This was after I had convinced myself that I did not want to be a dad after multiple miscarriages. A job and career that is so much better than it was. I now find myself regularly talking about church and God stuff and have even brought some of my close friends from work to last year's Easter service. A relationship with God that I yearned for so long in my life. This guy even reads the Bible, has Bible apps on his phone, and even enjoys Christian music and podcasts. Never in my wildest dreams would I have believed this was Andy, circa 2021. I recognize daily how far from perfect I am, and I don't know how much closer to being the man I know God created me to be, but I'm so happy to now having the tools to get there. I'm so excited to be beginning the next stages of the journey, and it starts today. God is good. Thank you. Good job, you guys. Hey, everybody say hi, Diamond. Okay. 18 months ago, I was in a very dark place, full of hate, and was strongly debating ending my life. Something kept telling me to check out the vineyard. Now I know that that was God telling me for the millionth time to let him guide me. I started watching messages online here or there, then started to be more consistent. My friend invited me to join in person and have been here ever since. I now serve two teams, um, Creative Brainstorm and Vineyard Kids. 
by having Jesus in my life, I'm spreading joy and his word. Something was still missing, though. I hadn't given my life to Jesus fully. I didn't feel that I was good enough. I've been wanting to get baptized for over a year, but kept telling myself it wasn't the right time. I even said I was going to do it this weekend and made every excuse not to go to the classes. But on Friday, at the end of Chasing God, Mark called out to those of us wanting to be baptized. I felt that that was God kind of flicking me in the forehead and saying, here, don't miss this. You are enough, and we are all enough. That's great. Hi, Candace. Everybody say hi, Candace. So this morning, I am choosing to get baptized for the second time. My first baptism, which doesn't seem very long ago, was in September of 2014. I had decided that it was time to publicly declare my relationship with Jesus in front of other believers. I was raised in a Christian household with married parents and four siblings. We were taught at an early age who God was, that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross, and that three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. We were taught that if we accepted Jesus into our hearts and believed in him, we also would one day die and then rise to live eternally in heaven with our Father. I had accepted Jesus into my heart as a young child, but had never taken the steps to get baptized until 2014. Looking back, I don't believe that I had truly grasped what baptism was really about and how it should have changed my heart and lifestyle. As Paul writes in Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. While I had good intentions of leaving my sinful behaviors in the past after getting baptized, it wasn't long before I fell into those repeated sins. I struggled with drinking too much, being greedy and prideful, not always telling the whole truth, and engaged in sexual immorality with my boyfriend. I didn't take the time to nourish my relationship with Jesus. I didn't read my Bible as often as I should have, and I only prayed when it was convenient or there was something that I wanted. I was a superficial Christian. When Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6:18, run from sexual sin, no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body, he wasn't lying. I carried so much guilt with me throughout my dating and engagement years. I knew that every time I knowingly and willingly sinned, I was driving a wedge between Jesus and myself. I was tampering with the temple that God had blessed me with. But that all changed when Jake and I started taking premarital classes before our wedding in 2017. We made a commitment with God and each other to renew our purity. The weight that was lifted off my shoulders from no longer being impure was incredible. The shame, guilt, and embarrassment that I had held onto for those years was gone. God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness is amazing. Jesus wiped my slate completely clean, and my heart began to change. I had a renewed desire to follow Jesus, and this time, I wanted to be all in. While I've been far from perfect, I am no longer that same person. I have a desire to hear and listen to God. I have a desire to display the fruits of the Spirit in my daily walk. I have a desire to love my neighbors, and I have a desire to show the same grace, mercy, and forgiveness that God showed to me to anyone, whether it be friend or foe. Romans 6, 12 to 13 states, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Today, I am washing away my past sins and giving God the glory, praise, and thanks that he deserves. Today, I am renewing my commitment to follow Jesus and to truly start living for him. 
I know. Everybody say, hi, Jacob. Morning, church. When I was 14, I was saved and baptized, not exactly knowing the importance of either. I grew up in a very typical middle-class family. My father made it a point to go to church every Sunday, even if we were on vacation. He'd find a random church for us to go to. My story begins at 14, but my journey following God didn't start until I got married. Through high school, I did the normal Christian activities, youth group, retreats, church on Sunday, etc., I was playing the Christian role without fully understanding it. I went to Ancilla College my first year out of high school playing baseball. But like most college students, I drifted further and further from my faith and focused primarily on myself. I attended three schools during this time, Ancilla, Bethel, and IU South Bend. And I only wanted to play ball and chase women. <clears throat> my last year I was at IUSB, I prayed that I would find my wife before I left school. And before school even started, I met Candace. Throughout our dating years, we were only living in sexual immorality. I was still an outward Christian, but the sins inside me still had a hold of me. Our dating period was very rocky, but some, something inside of me was telling me that this was a person I was going to spend the rest of my life with. After we tied the knot, we began getting into groups, connecting, and serving at the Vineyard Church. But I still felt surface level at best with my relationship with God. It wasn't until I was asked for the second year in a row to attend the Vineyard School of Ministry by Pastor Steve did I really begin to understand the significance of my relationship with God. Since we started class a month ago, I've made it a personal mission to get as much out of this learning that I possibly can and use it to glorify God in whichever way, he, whichever way he chooses to use me. Today I stand as a broken man saved by the grace of God. Thank you. Everybody say hi, Chad. Hello, everyone. Before I start, I just want to say that uh, the last four nights I've been going to Chasing the God, and it's really had a significant impact on me. Uh, it was just last night that I decided that I was going to get baptized again for the second time. So luckily for you, I've got a brief testimony that I whipped together last night. <laughs> Faith came easy to me as a boy. I attended church and Sunday school regularly. And as I got old enough, I even served as an altar boy. But the older I became, faith became much harder to maintain. I stopped attending church because it was an inconvenience. Then, after numerous tours of war, it made me question God's plans for me. Then, two weeks ago, my faith took another turn. My career... The only one I have known for the past 25 years ended abruptly. I found myself without any direction, but I was at peace. Free from the shackles of my career, I was able to finally catch a glimpse of God's plans for me. I owe a tremendous amount of thanks to my wife, my in-laws, who are in attendance today, and to Vineyard Church for helping me realize that for every ending there is a new beginning and with Christ as my savior I have nothing to fear. Everybody say hi Camille. Ooh, I'm really doing this, huh? All right. 
All right, so I'm Camille. Um, I did get baptized when I was like 15 or 16, but a lot has happened since then. And this is hard stuff to share, but God has just shown me the power of testimony and how we are here to spread his glory and the gospel. So that's what I'm here to do with you today. So before Jesus, I was nothing short of a train wreck. By the age of 17, I got busted at a party and had to go to court for underage drinking. A couple years later, I went to college at IPUI in Indianapolis and joined a sorority where I embraced the Greek life, college lifestyle and did all the things, drinking, drugs, sex, skipping class, until one of those nights became the night that broke me. I believe someone slipped something into my drink because I had no recollection of this night until my sorority standards board called me in to ask about this video of me that had been going around. By the end of that semester, I left college and came home. I was so broken and humiliated, I ran back to the only thing I still had an inkling of hope in, church. Through a friend at Delight, I was invited to young adults here at the Vineyard, and from there, although I have not made it easy, this church has embraced me and guided me through my walk with Jesus. I started attending young adults regularly and eventually joined the worship team, which then led to Leah Kurtz asking if I had thought about joining VSM, which ended up being one of the best and greatest experiences of my life, and I had encountered God like I never had before. Since then, I found myself in an abusive relationship, both mentally and physically, and I felt like I lost God through it because I went right back to sinning and living my old college lifestyle. Fast forward to now, and the first day of chasing God, I was chasing God again, and I was trying to find him again, and I felt like I still had this wall up because I had not forgiven the man I was in the abusive relationship with. And then Kyle Martin talked about obedience, so I decided to stop trying to run from God and be obedient. I forgave that person in my heart, and asked someone to tell him I forgave him, and I knew it was nothing short of God because one of his friends was here at one of the services. So I was like, okay, God, I get it. So I went up, and I asked her, and I told her about what happened, and I asked her if she could tell him that I forgave him. As my second act of obedience, I'm here today getting baptized, telling God in the public that I'm done running and trying to do it all on my own. Today is the day that I die and am born again, and the only place I'm running is into Jesus' arms. Everybody say hi, Tricia. Just step right up there. Good job. Hello. I was about four years old when I committed my life to Christ for the first time. I grew up in a Christian home knowing I should always choose Jesus. I have always felt like I needed to uphold a reputation that I really didn't like myself. The party girl or the life of the party. I started to live my life full of sin when I was choosing drinking, partying, and doing those things I know I shouldn't. I knew exactly what I was doing, and I was choosing it over God. Those things would help me feel numb in the moment, and I couldn't wait for the weekend because I loved the high I would get. I would feel happy. Little did I know these things were slowly killing me inside. I was in a dark place for a while while asking God why I was feeling depressed and hurt inside. I knew what I needed to do. I needed to stop what I was doing, but I didn't want to. This life led me to many toxic relationships, making even bigger mistakes and creating more hurt for me. I knew God was telling me to let go, let go of the drinking, let go of the partying, and let go of toxic relationships. God was showing me exactly what I needed to do, I just wouldn't listen. Now here today, I know that the one thing I need in my life is Jesus. Instead of living for, my, for this awful world, I want to live my life for Jesus. I want to cling to the one who I know will never let go of me. 
Awesome. I say hi, Mitch. Hi. Mitch's got a friend with him. Who you got with you here? Jeremy. Hi, everybody. <laughs> there you go. Um, so my name is Mitch, and uh, I grew up in a church. Um, and you know, as I grew older, I grew rebellious. And for 22 years, I walked away from God. Um, but looking back, uh, through all the things I went through, He never walked away from me. Um, he carried me even when I wasn't realizing it. And as my life was personally in shambles, my best friend Jeremy began fellowshipping with me. And I seen the great things that were happening in his life. I wanted that level of love and peace that he had. And I stated, started turning over my life to Jesus and laying my world at his feet. And here I am today, ready to publicly commit to God and wash away my sins in his name. Awesome. Good job. It's okay. Nicole, you want to go first? Whatever. Tina? All right, everybody say hi to Tina. Hi, Tina. Okay, I'm a little nervous here. It's okay. <laughs> Before my life was okay. Something was missing. I wasn't happy. My marriage was starting to suffer. I felt I was in bondage from Satan. Said some not so nice things to my husband. But in February of 2021, I started listening to the verse of the day on New Version. And I started praying about my situation. I made a decision to save my marriage. I prayed about it, gave my life to God, and laid my problems at his feet. God is working on me and my marriage. Since then, I have found such peace, joy, and love, and I have been wanting to be baptized so badly ever since. Now I am getting baptized, and my daughters are sharing this experience with me. I am so blessed. Everybody say hi, Nicole. Okay, I'm not good at this, so bear with me. You're doing great. My life before Jesus was very broken. Many ways, um, I searched in all the wrong places. I always knew something was missing. I just didn't know what. Um, I wanted to truly be happy, like on the inside, not just on the outside for everybody to see. Um, I've always, be, I've always been a believer. I grew up in the church. I just never put the work in. Just like any healthy relationship, you gotta put the work in. You gotta trust, you gotta communicate. I didn't do none of that. About 18 months ago, I decided to lay my brokenness at his feet. And I started putting the work. Started communicating, started trusting. It's the best decision I ever made. Um, I just want to be, have inner peace and joy and happiness. I finally found that when I put in that work. Um, the evidence is everywhere. I see it every day. Jesus changed my heart. 
It's good. That's what he does. Thanks. It's good. Everybody say hi, Michelle. Hi. Um, I grew up in a, at a very young age, knowing Jesus and going to church. But since I decided to dedicate my life, I have found a renewed life. I have more purpose, peace, and joy for life. Amen. Wonderful. You can just stand. You can just go back over and just stand in the room. I was going to say go stand in the corner, but that sounded kind of rude. So just over there in a very nice place. Everybody say hi, AJ. Uh, before I committed my life to Jesus, I felt like I was not doing things right. But when I was 10 years old, I finally realized what going to church was. It was going to learn about how Jesus died on the cross for you and you to live for what you want. Even though if you mess up, Jesus will not judge you or he will, and he will always have your back. Awesome. Good job, AJ. Hey, Daniel. Everybody say hi, Daniel. I was born into a Christian family, but until about eight weeks ago, I didn't truly know Jesus. I thought I did, but I didn't. All my life, I have gone to church, I have prayed, but that was just me going somewhere and saying a few words. It wasn't until about five to eight weeks ago, I was sitting in church next to my dad, when the speaker came up and they said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. At first, I didn't think much of it until my family started going to the Thursday Chasing God and Friday classes. And all I could hear was trust in the Lord with all your heart. And I heard it for two whole days. And I prayed to the Lord for the first time. And I was truly speaking to the Lord. And the next day, I would devote my life to Christ. Today, I will have a fresh start with the Lord. Awesome. Hey, Zach. Everybody say hi, Zach. Morning, church. I get to follow my two boys here, so that's pretty exciting. Um, I grew up in a family that did not, a church ten, did not attend church regularly. We, we knew who God was, but we were Easter and Christmas visitors. Um, when I was 19, I was in the Navy and on board a submarine in the USS Nebraska. Uh, we had a situation where we lost power, sat on the floor of the ocean for 92 hours. Pitch black, nothing. Uh, during the chaos and uncertainty of that situation, I felt a calming sense of relief and truly felt the presence of God with me. In that moment, I knew that God was with me and that he was watching over me. Everything changed for me then. I knew from then on that my life was in his hands. After I got off the sub, I began to learn more in depth about Jesus and how his love for me was the greatest sacrifice ever made. Now, as a husband and father of four, I feel the responsibility to set an example of how to love, honor, respect, and obey Jesus. So today I'm being baptized for the second time. My first time was 17 years ago in a very small, small Texas church with seven people as witnesses. I want to reaffirm that my life belongs to Jesus. I want him to know that. I want my wife and children to know that. And I'm very happy and excited to be able to share with all of you in this church that Jesus is my savior. Awesome. Hi, Michelle. Hi, good Everybody say hi, Michelle. Who's this guy? This is my fiance, Brian. Wonderful. 
So I'm here today to get rebaptized. I was baptized the first time when I was 18. I've been a Christian since 1999, and we've been coming here to the vineyard for almost two years. Jesus started the stirring in my heart for this day at our lake baptism this summer. I told Jesus at that time that when the timing was what he wanted, I would follow. Over the past several months, we've been praying intentionally for our upcoming marriage, specifically that God prepares both of our hearts for what he has planned. With, a lot, with this, a lot of changes have occurred. We've joined a small group and love being involved. We've made it a priority to attend church service in person unless we're out of town and we are intentionally serving in all ways that we can. Last week, as I left my baptism class and began to pray about my testimony, I was excited and confused all at the same time because what I found was that my testimony, my story, seems to be continuously changing. It's so much more than the first time I wrote it almost a year ago and somehow even simpler today. I'm just a sinner who needs a savior. So I'm choosing to get rebaptized today because although I may not completely understand why he's calling me to do it, I'm doing what I need to do to be obedient because I know that with my obedience comes his favor. So I'm very thankful that you're all here to join me today. Awesome. Yeah, we're good. Everybody say hi, David. How you doing? My name is David Mendenhall. Uh, this is my story. Uh, growing up, I went to church. I loved it. But as I got older, I started to fall out of love with it. The pastor at my church had an affair. And in my mind, I was like, how can I trust what this guy is saying? So around age 12, I stopped going to church. At age 13, I started to find women and partying more exciting than church. And that continued through high school and a little longer than that. At age 18, I decided to join the military, which was the best thing for me. On my second deployment in Iraq in 2007, my truck was hit with a 600-pound bomb. I probably should have died that day, but I didn't. I started dealing with PTSD and traumatic brain injury. I also kept wondering, why was my life spared? So after two years of recovery, I retired from the military and moved back home. That's when I started to drink to take care of my pain. During the next eight years, I would lose my mom to cancer, um, almost lose my dad to a brain tumor, and get divorced. Uh, I had two beautiful sons, which are huge blessings. Um, I should have, toward, should have turned towards God, but I always seemed to turn away from him. Uh, I started jujitsu earlier this year to try to help with some of that. That's where I met John and Thomas McGuinn. I learned two important things from them. God is the way, and I'm not a bad mamma jamma like I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. What did you say? A bad what? Bad mamma jamma. Bad mamma jamma, okay. <laughs> They've helped me in this journey, and I am forever grateful for that and them. I love you guys. Since I've given my life to God, I've found so much peace and happiness. I can't wait to continue this journey and to continue to learn and study the word. Awesome. Hey, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Everybody say hi, Jennifer. Hi. 
Okay, so mine is not going to be as eloquent as his. Are you a bad mammon, jammon, mammon? <laughs> Definitely not. Okay. <laughs> okay, since the first of the year, I have been working very hard to try to get right with God after a lifetime of sin and fight or flight mentality. I left work early last Sunday. Something told me to leave. I came home turned on the sermon and it spoke to me, not that all of them don't, but this one really did. So I came in last Sunday night and um, I sat and one of the volunteers and Pastor Kathy prayed for me and it changed my life. I woke up the next morning feeling different, better, more at peace. Um, I am so grateful to God and everyone that has helped me get to where I'm at today. So. It's awesome. Yeah. We're happy for you. Way to go, Jennifer. Hey, Noah. Everybody say, hi, Noah. Hi, my name is Noah, and I've been going to the vineyard my whole life. Every year, I learn more about Jesus. I know I can trust him to help me turn my life around when things go wrong. I'm getting baptized today to show the whole world that I trust him and will follow his lead. Perfect. Thanks, Noah. You gonna come first? Jack Jackson, you want to go first? That's or whatever? Okay. Yeah. I accepted Jesus in my life when I was four, and I was really happy, and God uh, too. With my love for Jesus and God and everybody with my love. Great, Jackson. Thanks, man. A little bit higher. Does that work that, that for works. you? All right. Everybody say hi, Liz. Hi, guys. Um, so I grew up in the Catholic Church, and I didn't know that Jesus had died for my sins. I knew God existed, but he felt very far away from me. I thought I had to follow all the rules in order for him to love me. When I was 10, I was reading my Bible, and I gave my life to Christ. Since then, he has been with me even when I walked away. And I'm just very thankful that Jesus has stuck with me through everything. Um, I also deal with bipolar disorder, and he's been with me through that and depression and everything. So. Awesome. Thanks. Hi, Brandon. Everybody say, hi, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. There you go, buddy. Before Christ, I would. Before Christ, I would smoke weed, go to parties with friends, get into fights, etc. I was always depressed and sad. Since I since I dedicated myself to Christ, my depression resided. I stopped fighting and smoking weed. Jesus was always around me. My mom is a Christian who really tried to get me to understand God, but it just didn't work until I found this place called the Community Center, ran by the Vineyard Church. Um, 
but I still didn't accept God into my life until now. Good. Thanks, Brandon. Everybody say hi, Charlie. Hi, my name's Charlie. Uh, like many of the testimonies you've heard, I was raised in a Catholic uh, home by a very devout mother who wanted me to become a priest. And as a result, I knew at a very early age I was not going, I was going to disappoint my mother um, because I like girls too much. Turns out I disappointed her in that choice too, many of those choices. Um, I grew up with an awareness of Jesus, but not a relationship with Jesus. It wasn't until I went to high school during the turbulent 60s that a fantastic group of teachers uh, allowed us to question and find ourselves through the music of the times and the media of the times. I remember the day that a Holy Cross brother brought in the album Jesus Christ Superstar and played it for us, much to the chagrin of the administration. And I was grabbed and touched by that in such a way that Jesus was now personal to me that in a way he had never been before. I was subsequently able to see a stage version of that and sat front row center while a man was hung on a crucifix 10 feet tall above me. And if you've never seen that, it's very dramatic. Um, through the years, I've had a relationship with Jesus that has had, like most people, its highs and lows. I've realized that every time that I've hit a low in my life, it's been when I've managed to uh, be away from Jesus. This is actually the third time for me to be baptized. I was asked by Jamal to include why I would be baptized again. The best I, analogy I can use is that it's like when I married my wife uh, 28 years ago. Oh, I always get that wrong. 28 years ago, I was blessed by throwing a life preserver in the form of a woman of a common faith. As much as I know I loved her then, I love her so much more now, and that is the same with Christ. We were baptized on our anniversary about 10 years ago as a commitment to each other and to, and to God. Another reason, and I didn't, I, I hesitated sharing this, was that on June 6th of 19, or of 2018, I died in the Kentucky Fried Chicken drive-thru over here on Lincoln Way. I suffered full cardiac arrest with a less than 8% chance of getting to the hospital. I was put into a hypothermia-induced coma for, what, five days, with a less than 10% chance of surviving that. They told my wife I might not have any brain function, and she said, how will you know? But um, <laughs> since then, I've struggled with, the, with what to do with my life since, because I survived. We're going through a grief share group now here at Vineyard, and I've heard the testimonies of people who have lost a loved one asking why God took them. Mine is the reverse, asking why God left me here. We attended Vineyard regularly before that, but we were spectators. We sat on the sidelines, we watched, we listened to Mark, and then we went home and did whatever we were going to do. This marks a beginning of not being a spectator long and being an active participant, and I owe that to Mark and the staff at Vineyard. Thank you. Everybody say hi to Karen now. Hey, isn't this the greatest day ever? <laughs> I promise mine won't be as long. 
I have known about Jesus for many years. I can't remember a time that I didn't believe in Jesus going to church regularly with my parents, but falling away as life happens. I have been baptized previously and want to rededicate my life to Jesus. When my daughter passed away a couple of months ago, Jesus brought me the peace that I have never, ever known before. When I began to seek who Jesus really is and that he is in me and I in him, I did, did I know that I understand the depth and the peace that his love brings to me. I'm loving my journey with Jesus and wish to rededicate my life to him. He has chosen me, I have chosen him, and he is my number one. Awesome. Hi, Madison. Everybody say, hi, Madison. Hi, I'm Madison. Um, I've known Jesus my whole life. I grew up in the church with my amazing family. However, I have frequently treated his love and forgiveness as something I can come and go to whenever I please. I have realized his love is never changing and a rock that never moves. These past few years, I have pushed God's love away while recently going down the path of self-destruction. Uh, this caused me to feel alone and lost, and I felt like I had no one around me. I tried turning to God, so I started attending young adult groups again. And um, one night I was worshiping and I just remember feeling angry and alone and like no one was there. And I remember Andrew Kurtz was saying how if you feel like God is telling you to tell someone close to you that he loves them, then do that. And I couldn't think of anyone. And as I was sitting down, Andrew came up to me and he looked at me and he said, Jesus loves you. And at that moment I knew I wasn't alone anymore. And then that same week, I was at um, another group that I go to, and I was worshiping and just giving my all to him, and a good friend came up behind me and just held me as I worshiped, and that was another sign that I just wasn't alone. I have now decided to go down the path God has for me, which is better than anything this world has to offer me. Since rededicating my life to Christ, I have experienced more peace and joy than I have ever imagined for myself, and I finally feel whole again. I think I need a good cry. <laughs> I had to vent it just a minute. Okay. Okay. Okay, I need a hug. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Everybody say hi, Devenna. Hello. Okay, so, hi. <laughs> I grew up in a Christian household, and we prayed together before every meal and before we all went to bed. The presence of God was, like, tangible in our house. And then we lost my mother. She passed when I was eight, and I'm 15 now. Um, for years afterwards, I battled and battled, and I fought depression and temptation and more fear than I would wish on my worst enemy. Trying to fix it myself, I couldn't get anywhere. I always felt God calling to me, running after me, but I never truly listened. But in the past two years, I realized it was finally time to stop running. And since I really dedicated my life to God, I felt the real joy I had chased after for all those years. And Peace is no longer like a daydream to me. It's something real that I can carry with me every single day. That's awesome. Hi, Andrea. Everybody say, say, it, say it real quietly. Hi, Andrea. There you go. Hello. Um, so I grew up in a Christian household. 
We went to church on Sundays, but I didn't have a real relationship with Jesus until June 18, 1999, at the age of 24, is when I gave my life to Christ. I had reached some of many, reached one of many low points in my life, and I knew I needed to be saved. Some friends of the family came over to my house and prayed with me. I can remember anticipating their arrival. I was so nervous. I didn't know what to expect. I thought I would have to confess all of my sins right then and there in front of these people. And I remember thinking that I had to change my ways before I could allow Jesus into my heart. But when they arrived, they simply prayed over me. Then we prayed a prayer together and I accepted Christ as my savior. I could feel the Holy Spirit and I truly felt born again. I felt cleansed. God truly changed my heart and I was on fire for Jesus. God changed my lifestyle. I was no longer drinking or using foul language. I was listening to Christian music. I was reading my Bible faithfully. I was baptized, and I was putting God first in my life. Now, I'm not going to tell you that since I became a Christian that I have not stumbled and fallen over the years. As we all do, I've battled my share of demons. I believe that after we become Christians, Satan tries to attack us even more because he sees that he has lost his hold on us. But by the grace of God, and only by the grace of God, I have overcome drug addiction, and I'm talking a seven-year addiction to opiates, in which I overdosed on more times than I can count, and it's only by the grace of God that I didn't die. I've overcome anxiety, many unhealthy and abusive relationships, and even Crohn's disease. I was diagnosed in 2000, and I've spent the last 10 years in remission. For three years, I was in a toxic relationship. I was very unhappy, and I began to reevaluate my life. God spoke to me, and I heard him very clearly tell me that he had so much more in store for me. He wants my life to be fulfilling. He wants me to be happy and successful. He wants me to have healthy, loving relationships, but he wants me to come to him and trust in him and put him first and have faith in him and obey him so that he may bless my life with the peace and happiness that I have been seeking. It became so evident to me that I could not expect the Lord to keep blessing my life if I had stopped doing my part. I wasn't putting God first in my life anymore. So last year at the age of 45, I recommitted my life to Christ. I have started attending church on a regular basis. I serve at the community center, which has been such a blessing to me. I'm in the word again. I attend Bible study fellowship and I love it. That three year toxic relationship I was in has ended. My career has completely changed unexpectedly and I absolutely love what I do now. I sell flowers and I know that it's my true calling in life. God has brought some amazing people into my life since I've been, been attending here at the Vineyard. My very good friend Erica invited me to come to church here and I never left. I love the Vineyard and I can't say enough good things about it. I just feel blessed to be here and I'm so looking forward to the many more blessings God has in store for my life. He is such an awesome God and his promises are absolutely true. Thank you. Hi, Caitlin. Everybody say hi, Caitlin. Hello, everyone. So I was originally baptized when I was 12 years old. However, I didn't really know how to let Jesus completely wash me and change me like I needed. When I was young, 
I was molested, and it made me question my worth and if I was lovable at all, if I didn't have something to offer. And then, when I was 16 years old, I lost my best friend to a car accident. And that grief and that pain led me to disown Christ in my heart. I was angry, and I told Jesus that if this was the life that he had for me, a life of pain and a life of grief, that I didn't want anything to do with it. That I was going to make my own life and my own path because his was too painful. And then my worst fear came true when my high school boyfriend and I broke up. I felt like all my fears were confirmed, that I wasn't worthy, I wasn't lovable, and that I didn't deserve anything but God. He was there when I finally hit my knees and I cried to him, and I said I didn't want any more pain and I didn't want any more fear. He picked me up off my knees and said he does love me, that I'm his masterpiece and I'm forgiven for all of my transgressions. The last two and a half years have been a beautiful and slow process of healing, learning that my worth is not placed in what I can offer people, whether that's my kindness or my personality or my body, but my worth, my worth is in him. Now I'm kind, I'm happy, I'm confident, I'm a child of God, and I believe it now like I never have. Yeah. Everybody say hi, Darren. Hi, guys. So um, my relationship uh, with Jesus began when I was a kid, when my mom took us to church. I didn't know why, but I knew God was responsible for everything. And as a young teenager, I was taught that God created everything and sent Jesus to die for our sin. But I didn't understand really what that meant. I still had questions. And then came the sports and the girls and the cars, and I fell away from Christ for a few years. And although I attended mass and church and other services while I was in the military, I still had unanswered questions. And at some point, in, I was baptized in the Catholic Church and fully accepted Christ as my Savior uh, when I was 30 years old. Since then, I've grown closer, learned much more about the Bible and my Savior. And then fast forward to now. So I've realized over the past few years that I, I was an immature Christian. God brought me to a Bible study group. Five guys on a maintenance team have allowed me to talk through and to listen and learn from their perspective about what the gospel says and means. We've tackled the scripture, broken it down to bite-sized pieces. We still have a long way to go. I've been able to see where I've been blessed and ask questions in a safe environment. And today I know God has me on his path. My job is to accept and trust him. Godspeed. Awesome. Love you, man. Okay, those of you getting baptized can head over to that side. We'll do just a little preparation with the baptism. Worship team will come up. While the worship team is coming up and while they're getting ready, uh, just to let you know what's going to be happening, people, of course, will individually get up into the baptismal when they get up there, they'll be with a pastor or a leader at the church. 
And you'll probably notice that before they go back in the water, the pastor or leader will ask them a few questions. They'll, ask them, they'll be asking them three questions. The first question will be something like, do you believe Jesus is the Savior of the world? And they'll answer the question. My guess is they'll answer the question, yes. The next question is a little more personal. Is he not just the Savior of the world, but is Jesus your personal Savior? And they'll answer the question. And the last question has to do with uh, lordship or obedience or service. The last question will be something like, as best you can, to, to the best of your ability, are you going to follow God? Are you going to listen to his voice? Are you going to try to do what he wants you to do? And then they'll answer that question, and then they'll baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and bring them up out of the water, and that's when you can celebrate along with heaven. You can celebrate with them. Let me pray, and then we'll do this. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.